0: Jeffrey Epstein told everyone exactly the type of man he was, and in return, they told him their deepest, darkest secrets. And because money can wipe away the dirtiest of deeds, the tide, the tide will always bring them back to the surface.
1: I realize what I am. I'm very comfortable in my own together.
0: The iceberg, what his friends called him. Now, you can only see what he presents above the surface, and even that you can't rely on. He was the grandmaster in his perfectly designed world, skillfully using, abusing, and manipulating people like pawns on a chessboard. He was cunning. Every situation was a new game, and he was always ten moves ahead. Now, he'd let you make the first move, a strategy amongst chess players to psych out their opponents. He would let you almost win, give you a glimpse of victory, and then, bam! Checkmate. Jeffrey Epstein was an anomaly. He knew everyone and no one. He had money, of course, and he had lots of it. He came from nothing, rose through the ranks among the rough and tumble world of New York's elite, the true American dream, or at least that's what he told people. He was charming, he was a wolf in sheep's clothing the most hospitable host, and if you were a guest at his New York mansion, chances were you'd be greeted by a young girl struggling to open the gigantic 15-foot door. She looks young, maybe even too young. But you press on. Jeffrey comes down the stairs, blue jeans, sweater, loafers, casual, his classic ensemble. This is his home, his fortress, 40 bedrooms, the largest private residence in New York City, but no record has ever indicated that he legally owns it. Inside, you'd be led around by Jeffrey, and it's quite the tour. He's eager to show you his collection of the odd and strange. A meticulously pieced together world. Carefully curated objects. Nothing is a coincidence. Nothing is ironic. A hallway of prosthetic eyeballs made for soldiers of World War II, encased in individual glass boxes. Yeah, a large stuffed black poodle positioned on top of a grand piano. That's right, a stuffed dog. Or maybe something else catches your eye, proudly displayed upon Jeffrey's desk, a copy of Marquis de Sade's The Misfortunes of Virtue, published in 1791. The plot revolves around a young 12-year-old girl who has plans to build a life for herself in France. Her journey, however, is marred again and again by disturbing sexual encounters, including rape. The second floor is even more puzzling. Epstein loved chess, so much so that he had a large-scale chess board commissioned with one slight variation. All the chess pieces were modeled after people he knew housekeeper, his gardener, and so on, all dressed in skimpy attire, or maybe your eye is drawn to a significant piece of artwork, a full-length painting that greets you at the landing of the stairs. It's Epstein in the painting, in a prison jumpsuit, planked by a corrections officer in a guardhouse. Behind him, barbed wire. He told a reporter once, that's me, and I had this painting painted because there's always a possibility that that could be me again. Now, Epstein's lifestyle, it was no secret, and those who claim to be shocked by the victim's accounts, well, they're lying, ignoring the obvious, something positioned in plain sight, just like the book, just like the painting. Now, Epstein told everyone exactly the type of man he was, and in return, they told him their deepest, darkest secrets. Their sins were just Mere drops in the bucket compared to what Epstein had done. But this is how he made them stay close. He had moved from trading money to trading secrets. One was far more lucrative than the other. And because money can wipe away the dirtiest of deeds, the tide the tide will always bring them back to the surface. A modern-day Jay Gatsby, consumed by money, greed, youth, and immortality, his own origin story is still being pieced together. And like Gatsby, Epstein was also grasping for his own distant green light. His was a quest for young girls, and eventually for immortality, chiseled him into the most prolific pedophile in modern-day history. But where did it all begin? Well, it starts with a college dropout, an investment bank, and the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. Some little white lies and, of course, money. Lots and lots of money. Now, it's important to note that during the following three episodes of this investigative series, we will be referring to Epstein's victims as children because that is precisely what they were. Most of the media coverage has referred to them as women, which implies that the decisions they made and the abuse that they endured began as a mutual decision on both parties and further covers up the most important part of this story, They weren't women. They were children. Now, before we get into it, I want to express my hope that you will do your part in sharing the following three episodes. Share this story. Get this back into the headlines because the truth will always rise with the tide. Which leads us to part one the dropout. Welcome back. We're talking about a human piece of scum, Jeffrey Epstein. No question about it. You've heard of him. You know about him. And I know there's many of you who are going to sit here and think, Everything that can be said about Jeffrey Epstein has been said. Why do we need to revisit this? And I promise you, as we get into these things, I'm going to share with you a lot of details. I'm going to share with you a lot of names, a lot of things that you've heard of, and a lot of things you haven't heard of. And I'm going to try to tie it all together in three parts, in three different episodes that you're going to want to hang on to. You're going to, want to listen to, and you're going to, want to share it with people because it's so vastly important that this remains in the forefront of our mind. This needs to be daily headlines, and it's not. There are people out there, there are women who were once children, who were raped, who were molested, who were victims of this pedophiles ring and they will never see their day in court. They will never see justice served because now not only is Jeffrey Epstein dead and whatever your theory on that may be is irrelevant because it will never see the light of day in a courtroom and justice will not be served. I want you to remember that Jeffrey Epstein was not just some guy that happened by happenstance or accident. He was a grandmaster of manipulation. He loved playing chess. I don't know if you know that or not. He was a chess player, and he treated his life just like a game of chess, and his subsequent acquaintances in his life were just like the chess pieces, right? So these people, these powerful, powerful people in his life, he moved them around, he manipulated them just like moving chess pieces on the board. And he made sure that everything he did was done in his favor. So the rise of Jeffrey Epstein was a very deliberate, very slow, very incremental climb. And I want to show you how this guy rose to be one of the most powerful people in the world that for the most part, you probably never heard of until recent days. He was quite literally one of the darkest people that history has ever known, and certainly in this country. And what you don't understand is Jeffrey Epstein was very clear. He told people exactly who he was. He didn't hide who he was. He never shied away from his dark side. He did everything he could to normalize his crazy, crazy mental psychosis. He was quite literally the Bobby Fischer of power, money, and pedophilia. And we're going to unpack this for you in these episodes. And I want to explain to you this guy who comes literally from nothing and out of nowhere to do what he did. We're so excited to have our friends Black Rifle Coffee Company as a sponsor to the podcast. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran owned and operated premium small batch roast to order coffee company for people who love America. Now, Black Rifle Coffee only imports the highest quality beans from around the world and they always roast to order their coffees for you after you place an order to ensure that you receive the freshest coffee available. They develop their explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus they learned as military members serving this great country. Now, all Black Rifle Coffee Company blends are available in Whole Bean and ground varieties, and they also have many of their roasts available for purchase in the single-serve coffee rounds. I encourage you, the best way to enjoy this freedom-filled coffee is with the Black Rifle Coffee Club. You choose the amount and the blends that you crave, and they offer it to you at a special discounted price, ship free directly to your home or office every month. You can get it every 60 days, 90 days, However frequently you want it, this added convenience allows you to keep working hard, making America the land of the free, the home of the brave, and you'll never have to rush down to that corner store again. So wake up to America's coffee by going to BlackRifleCoffee.com slash WatchChad. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash WatchChad. And when you're there, before you check out, if you'll enter discount code WatchChad to receive 20% off your first order of any coffee products, that includes the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Plus, Black Rifle Coffee Company strives to ensure that our nation's defenders have the energy they need by regularly sending their coffee to service members deployed overseas. U.S. service members go without many of life's simple pleasures when stationed overseas, but a good cup of coffee doesn't have to be one of them. So go to blackriflecoffee.com slash watch Chad. All you have to do is buy a bag or a box of coffee rounds of premium small batch BRCC coffee for yourself, and they'll donate a bag to be shipped to deployed U.S. service members. Say thank you for your service without actually saying it throughout the month of November for each coffee purchase. Black Rifle Coffee Company will give a bag of their limited time offer holiday roast to troops overseas. Guess what? Going to be delivered by Christmas. That's right. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com slash WatchChad. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash WatchChad. Support the troops today. He's teaching math and science, physics to be exact, to children at the Dalton School in New York City, which is the elite prep school for New York's most wealthy residents. Now, here's a guy... Who was a college dropout. Yep, that's right, a college dropout. But he grew up in Coney Island, hard Scrabble. He's a hustler. He's a guy who's gonna make it in life. He's got a plan, doesn't know how that plan's gonna come together, but he has ideas because he believes that he's greater than what he's experiencing so far. And here's the thing his credentials of being able to teach, not only at school, but at a school at this elite status, are questionable at best. Now there's just one slight issue. Epstein sucks at teaching math and physics. Now Candace, this is the thing here that that I start to look at this and I don't understand some things. How does a college dropout get a job teaching in an elite school? How does this happen? Because we start to see, in my mind, some some favors that are obviously being played out here. Of
1: course, yeah. And that goes back to the smooth talking, being able to talk his way out of anything or into things.
0: Here's a guy who's a master manipulator.
1: Of course, yeah. He
0: knows how to lie his way in. He knows how to use all of his charm, the smooth rhetoric, the charisma, all of these things to talk his way in. You know, I'm almost reminded of... Uh, of the Jack Black movie, School of Rock, where he just happens to take the phone call, you know, <laughs> and it's supposed to be for his roommate. And he's like, no, I can come in. I can I can do this. you know. And, and so he goes in and he winds up being a substitute teacher with absolutely no credentials. This kind of reminds me of this. And this is one of those things. This is one of those mysteries about the life of Jeffrey Epstein that, that you just you'll never get an answer to this.
1: And there's people, obviously, from the very start who helped him climb the ladder for this. So he didn't just do this all on his own. From the very, very beginning, there were people who were more than willing to step in on his behalf and put in good words for him, even though, you know, this is kind of the start of that. The interesting thing
0: there, and you're right, because the interesting thing there, folks, that you have to understand is that here's a guy who is going to use information and secrets to leverage himself into a lot of positions of power. I, and I have no question whatsoever that by him getting a job here at the Dalton School, I'm sure he had to use something, somewhat, some sort of manipulation. Interesting thing is, and this is just another piece in the puzzle that most of us don't even care about right now, other than it led to bigger things. Someone out there knows the truth. It's in the middle of uh, teaching. It's in the middle of teaching that, he, that people realize this guy's not a good teacher. He's horrible. He can't teach physics. He can't teach math. So you know what he does? He starts trying to make extra money by being a tutor, which is an absolute joke. Now people are hiring this guy who can't teach to come in and teach on an individual basis their kids. Now, it's in this position of, of tutoring that he meets someone named Lynn Keppel or Kopal however you say your name, really isn't important to remember, but it's the real start of this story because Lynn is a conduit through which Epstein is going to find his, for lack of better terms, his his calling, okay? And that calling is finance. And this guy, let me tell you something. It's gonna open up doors that are unbelievable for the rest of his life. Now Lynn is the daughter of someone very, very significant. A man by the name of Alan Greenberg. Alan Greenberg, if you don't know at the time, is the chief executive officer. He's the CEO at Bear Stearns. Everybody's heard of Bear Stearns. Bear Stearns, of course, infamous brokerage firm. It crumbled during the 2008 recession. And this is funny. This is interesting. It almost makes me wonder, Candace, here's a guy who obviously has a way with women, right? He has a way with women. What happens here that that he schmoozes in with Lynn keppel copel however you say her name Uh I, i don't even care but now this guy he's he's next to one of the most powerful people on wall street at bear stearns and alan greenberg he's watching epstein he's watching him during these tutoring sessions which i don't even understand how all that works and he's got this hunch he says you know this epstein kid he's okay
1: so, Alan Greenberg later came out and said that he was always on the lookout for people who were young and hungry. And that's basically what he saw in Epstein. But the most ironic part of this is you referenced the chess board earlier. And a big part of chess, obviously, is making as clear a route for your king as possible. Yeah, and that's exactly from the very beginning. Jeffrey was very deliberate in how he played his his hand, right? So he was aligning himself from the very beginning to be in a school where he was two degrees separation from the most powerful people in finance. If that's where he really wanted to go, what easier way if you don't have the education and if you don't have the means than finding yourself in a school teaching their children, right? So it starts from there. But from the very beginning, he is setting himself up for well, quote Well, money unquote, pays success. the way
0: for everything, right? Right. Money paves the way for everything, no matter what your deepest, darkest desires may be. And you're going to realize here very soon that this guy has some very dark desires and he knows that money is the key to opening up the doors for him. So you're exactly right. He aligns himself with this. There's no mistake that he's at this elite school. There's no mistake that he's tutoring these rich kids. There's no mistake that he aligns himself with Lynn Keppel. And now now his hustling pays off. He observes Epstein. And guess what? He's uh, he says, you know, I got a hunch that old Jeff there. He's uh, I think he can survive the rough and tumble world of Wall Street. So 1976 comes along. Alan Greenberg offers Jeffrey Epstein a starting position at Bear Stearns. And this is where it gets interesting. And this is where the money comes in. Money, 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 money. I always, you know, you show these pictures of Epstein on the screen there. Mm-hmm. And if you notice when we talked about him being the dropout, he's sitting there posing in front of the blackboard. And it's interesting, his name is misspelled. It's spelled E P S. It's spelled Epstein, E P S T I N E. That's interesting there. Uh, maybe he's doing some little phonetic thing that's there. It's kind of interesting.
1: A lot of these are pretty interesting. And the one that was just played, um, also had him as like, kind of like the bachelor of the month.
0: Yeah. Look at him. Take a look at this picture of him. I mean, look at this playa right here. I mean, he is, he is like GQ magazine here.
1: Yeah. And if you read it, it says Jeffrey Epstein only talks to people who make over a million a year. If you're a cute Texas girl, write this New York dynamo at 55 water street, 49th Avenue or 49th floor.
0: There you so, go. So, you know. Oh, Jeffrey. Yikes. <laughs> Jeffrey, the beginning of wealth for Epstein. This is it right here because this is going to mark, 1976 is going to mark the first recorded instance of his infatuation with children. So he gets this job offer. It comes at a it, great time for Epstein. Dalton School's been made aware that Epstein has. He behaved in less than appropriate behavior with female students in and around campus. So they're like, hey, this guy, he's a pervert, right? There's something going on. He's putting himself in positions that we just don't like. And and he just, he's just being, you know, he's a New York City player. I don't know any other way to put it. You know, he's known around campus. He shows up at the school parties. He's flirting in the hallway. You know, he's got one close friendship after another. Then he gets this female student friendship that gets really close, and people start to take notice of this. It raises red flags for both the faculty and the fellow students. And a lot of times, you know, we see these things in the headlines these days where, you know, a a student and a teacher had this illicit thing that went on, this inappropriate affair that was happening. And we look at these things. This, this, this kind of thing has gone on for a long, long time. And here's a guy like Epstein who's thinking, I can get away with this. I'm smooth. I'm smooth. I, it's gotten me everywhere I need to be.
1: From the beginning, untouchable. Yeah.
0: yeah. And he sees himself that way. He's he's nonstick.
1: Without he's Teflon.
0: He does, I, I can do whatever I want to do. But he, do you
1: imagine, like how many ever years ago this was 1976 yeah the dalton school could have shut this down like we would not be talking about this today if you, you, you someone looked just, into it
0: yeah you, you don't if, if you're if you're in a school you're a school administrator you know you're, you're running a school here and especially an elite private school like the dalton school and you're seeing something like this that's going on you, you shut it down you don't just release somebody and say, oh well, these are signs, folks. And this is the first, this is the first tell right here that there's something significantly going on. Something wrong here. But what do they do? They just turn the guy loose. In 19 and in 76, you have graduates from that year who've spoken to the New York Times in recent days about the man named Mr. Epstein. And one student says there was a real clarity of the inappropriateness of the behavior. this isn't how adult male teachers conduct themselves. You have a student who's noticing this. So they dismiss Epstein. They turn him loose, and then he's able to go and accept this position at Bear Stearns. The makers of the Quip electric toothbrush want you to know the one single discovery that matters most for your dental care is simply this, that if you have good habits, you're good. That means brushing for two minutes, twice a day and flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. Quip makes that simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss and anti-cavity toothpaste. Quip's electric toothbrush uh, it's got sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and a 30-second pulse that's going to guide a full and even clean. equipped floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough, which will make the planet happy. Plus, Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping, so your routine is always Right, you can join over three million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at twenty-five dollars. And if you go to getquip.com/chad right now, you're going to get your first refill for free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com/chad. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash chad. Quip, the Good Habits Company. Go there right now. Apparently he's got a he's got a he's got a you know panache for this thing. He's got a touch for the financial industry because even uh, the folks at Bear Stearns are shocked. His, his the folks that are you know the senior employees, they're looking at this Epstein guy and he is climbing the ladder. He is making money hand over fist. And so he's raking in cash. But guess what? Guess what? Here's a guy who is killing it in terms of financial success, but it only lasts for one year. You know why? Epstein's making a move. 1977 rolls around. He is ready to go on to, quote, bigger and better opportunities, which shocks the fellow employees. They're like, dude, you're killing it, man. Why are you leaving? I mean, every time you pick up the phone, every time you pick up a pencil or pen, money is coming in. So they say, well, you know, he must have been stealing money from Bear Stearns. That's why he's got to leave. It's not bigger and better opportunities. He probably embezzled money, and that's the rumor that came. They say, well, Epstein's stealing money from the company. And guess what? Not far off from the truth. Later on, Epstein is going to come back and retract his claim that bigger and better opportunities drew him away from Bear Stearns. He's going to reveal— that there was an illegal loan of Bear Stearns' money to a friend that was the reason he decided to leave. Now, what do you see from that? What you see from that is here's a guy who knows what money can do for him. You can buy favors. You can buy silence. You can buy secrets. You can use the money that's available to you to get influence. And that's exactly what he does. But he doesn't use his own money. He uses Bear Stearns money. But again, here's this charismatic guy. He's a slippery snake. He just comes slip right out of Bear Stearns, go after bigger and better opportunities. And there's a lot of former employees of Bear Stearns that still to this day suspect internal embezzlement as the result of his departure. Was it? Well, very good chance. What does Epstein do? Well, he leaves Bear Stearns and Jeffrey Epstein establishes a company called J Epstein and Company where he's out there basically doing the same thing. You know what this reminds me of Candace? It sort of reminds me of the uh of the uh, Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Exactly. I kind of got that sense as we were researching this that Yeah, it I kind mean, of mimics that.
0: You know, here's a guy who goes out and just puts up a hangs a shingle out and it's a, it looks like it looks like a legitimate company and it's like, okay, this this is what we're doing here we're buying selling trading all this stuff but now are we really we're just really kind of just taking people's money now is that what he's doing we don't who knows
1: right because he's getting
0: it from somewhere though
1: yes and obviously jay epstein and company kind of lasts it started in 1982 but it lasts for a relatively long time and we'll go under some name changes and stuff in the future but this is kind of where he realized that he didn't need another company to help facilitate his scheme his game he just needed himself
0: yeah that's where a lot of people start asking the question, and it's something that's not mentioned a whole lot. <laughs> Too many things about Jeffrey Epstein's life are not mentioned a lot, but one of the biggest things is where did this guy get wealthy? How did he get wealthy? Where did the money come from? And this is this is where it's from. This guy is dealing in the financial world. Again, let's go back to his most eligible bachelor thing where he says, I'm not even talking to you unless you got a million dollars. This guy, he was very specific in the people that he was willing to do business with. So Jay Epstein and company, they changed their names. 1982, they, they call themselves a, a group of financial counselors. And people apparently are paying big money in order to get his insight. And this is a smooth talker, right? I'm in the wrong business, Candace. I'm in the wrong business. I, I'm a reasonably smooth talker. I need, I need some millionaires to come in there and let me tell them how to use their money. Right. Now, granted, I'm a college dropout, right? if I'm Jeffrey Epstein, but I know how millionaires should handle their money. He's na- later going to name it a financial trusting company, and this is a business that's going to f- facilitate a lot of political donations on behalf of Epstein. So you're starting to see a trend here, a guy who takes money to buy influence. And the influence is where we're going to take you in this next section because I want to introduce you not only to the king but to his pawns. Uh. Now, remember, we were talking about Epstein and his game of chess. Well, now he's playing it in 4D. He's using real-life human beings. And the thing about Jeffrey Epstein, the strategic thing, if you will, and if you've ever played chess, you'll understand that there's a large advantage if you let your opponent make the first move. And this point's going to come in real quick handy later now i want to let's talk about the game of chess for a second candace because your king it's all about your king when the king falls the game is over it's all about the king right every pawn the rooks the knights the bishops Mm -hmm. even the queen they're all on the board to protect the king at all costs now interestingly enough the king has a lot of power the Uh king but but he's very limited in how far he can go so it's absolutely adamant important imperative how many different adjectives can I use here that you build the right chess pieces around you and Jeffrey Epstein was the grand master at doing this. So, if you consider a chessboard, the bishop stands close guard on either side of the king and the queen. They're the third most powerful piece on the chessboard. They can make they can make a lot of diagonal moves and they represent a huge influence and in power. He had two specific bishops. Their names, Les Wexner and Steven Hoffenberg. Now, these guys, he, I, he, every time I see any pictures of, of, first of all, Epstein and these guys, I just want to punch him in the face. I want to punch myself in the face. Because I, you look at these guys, and you're like, who are these slimy creeps, right? You take Steven Hoffenberg. Stevens introduced Epstein in the early 1980s. These guys, they become fast friends, which ought to tell you something about the the how the shenanigans going on here i mean these guys they're just about making the money Stephen owns a powerful financial firm called towers financial and in and around the 1980s Stephen is going to hire epstein and together they're going to do all kind of attempts at big business so like they failed uh at various different business ventures not the least of which was a failed purchase of the dying pan am airlines remember pan am uh, some of you might be too young, but many of you out there listening, you remember Pan out Jeff Epstein trying to buy it later. They're both going to conduct the largest Ponzi scheme in U.S. history, and that's going to include embezzlement, tax evasion, taking money from widows and taking money from retirees. This is this is crazy, Candace. Like this just tells you, you know, you know how the, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. You can't get more evil. Than a Jeffrey Epstein.
1: Of course. And so when he teamed up with Stephen Hoffenberg, from what we've researched and what we can understand, Stephen already had this idea, but he needed someone to help facilitate it. And that's where Jeffrey Epstein came in. He always referred to him as the architect of this whole scheme. And that will come into handy when this goes to court. And it's just going to prove that Epstein can basically snake his way out of any situation. Yeah, no matter He's slippery.
0: What. He's slippery because they come up with a grand total of over 460 million dollars. Four that's I mean half a billion dollars. And it's rumored to be the foundation. This amount of money is basically the foundation for what ultimately becomes Epstein's vast fortune right mm-hmm. so during this period of time epstein he's going to become the senior vp at towers financial and like you said he's the he's the face man right he's the charismatic guy he's he's the guy who's out there moving and shaking he's the hustler and so in 1990 there's this full scale investigation that gets underway regarding tower financial and the hoffen and and the, you know the hoffenberg which during this investigation and the trial that follows guess what hoffenberg <laughs> hoffenberg who calls epstein like you mentioned the architect of the scam epstein's never even questioned never brought to testify and never charged hoffenberg's going to plead guilty and he's going to do it all by himself after being swindled by the federal district court of manhattan to take a plea deal all by himself where's epstein where's epstein he's out of the picture nobody he's all by himself but guess what? (laughs) Oh, that Federal District Court of Manhattan. You know what? Who served on that Federal District Court? Well, all of them had been appointed by then-President William Clinton. Bill Clinton. Hoffenberg's going to serve 18 years in jail. Jeffrey Epstein is going to serve exactly zero the bishop has sacrificed himself for the king. There's another bishop, Les Wexner. Now, Les is the owner and CEO of companies like Bath & Body Works, The Limited, Victoria's Secret. I mean, you know, some small companies out there, right? He meets Epstein through the aforementioned J. Epstein & Company, and one of Wexner's friends facilitates the meeting. So Wexner is looking for a financial advisor for his multi-million dollar bank account. Epstein says, you know what? I only talk to millionaires, and apparently you got a bunch of them, so let's sit down and have a little chat. Epstein offers his services, and guess what? He soon finds himself in control of the entirety of Les Wexner's wealth. You would think that people who make this kind of money wouldn't be this dumb, right? You would. One would think, but that's how smooth
1: Epstein is. And they were so willing and ready to trust him with everything, which is only going to be a reoccurring pattern as the years move on, even up until last year.
0: It's literally almost as though he had a hypnotic ability. Like he could put people into a trance just to trust him, believe him, and he just took everything they had. So not only does he have the full full entirety of Wexner's wealth under his thumb, he's given power to borrow money, make investments, sign tax returns, and even hire people all under Wexner's name. This is crazy. He even went so far as replacing Wexner's own mother on his company's advisory board. So Epstein basically views Wexner as a mentor, but he's... Soon, <laughs> he's soon going to use them to grow his own assets because less less the original owner of that uh, that sprawling New York mansion that we've discussed that that you that Epstein called home you know the seven story forty one bedroom twenty one thousand square foot home is somehow transferred over to Epstein by Wexner in nineteen ninety six as Wexner and his wife were moving to Ohio. Now you told me, Candace, this was this used to be a private school.
1: Yes. So in its uh, like original state, it served as a private school. And then sometime in the early 70s, I believe, it was revamped into a home by Wexter, and it's considered one of if not the largest private homes in New York City. Yeah. It's incredible. So like it said um he just somehow happened to get the deed of the house in his name, but that's never really been proven that there was any exchange of funds or anything. Wexner kind of just leaves the house in Epstein's care and goes to Ohio, and Epstein kind of moves in basically like squatting in the residence.
0: Yeah, he takes over, and there's never any evidence that he legally owns this place. 41 bedrooms, 21,000 square feet. I mean, the guy moves into a, a hotel basically uh and and obviously you know here's the thing about money if <laughs> if you acquire it without earning it without working for it one of the things you're going to do is you're going to abuse it see people don't value the things they don't invest in for him money was a tool to get to the influence. For him, the investment for Epstein was about the influence. So obviously, when you're in a situation like this where, where Les Wexner is making you uh, basically heir apparent to all of this wealth and you've got access to it, you're going to abuse the power. And, and he's going to do it with not only Wexner, but he's going to do it with the companies that he ran. So during this time, you got Epstein, whose personal wealth is going to skyrocket. He's even going to obtain a private plane, which is not just one of these little King Air jets. No, he gets a Boeing 747. I mean, this, this is absolutely crazy. He gets a luxurious estate in Ohio and the infamous little St. James Island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So in 96... Epstein's attempting to become part of yet another one of Wexner's company. Guess what he's doing? Guess what he's doing, people? He's scouting lingerie models for Victoria's Secret. imagine your cell phone is a voting booth, and every time you make a call or use your phone, you're voting for impeachment, open borders, gun confiscation, or abortion. It's a horrible thought, but that's essentially what you are doing whenever you spend money with cell phone companies that hate everything you believe in. (laughs) Listen, add insult to injury on that, and these cell phone carriers have all kinds of hidden fees, like AT&T's administrative fees that they're currently getting sued over. Compare that with Patriot Mobile, the nation's only conservative phone company who is not only supporting your values with no hidden fees, but for a limited time, giving you a free Moto Z3 when you open a new line. That's right, you heard me correct. You will get a free phone, a Moto Z3. This offer is only valid through Cyber Monday when you call 877-367-7524. Switching is easy. You're going to get reliable 4G LTE nationwide service for as low as $25 a month while helping to preserve the country we all love. So go to patriotmobile.com slash beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck, or call their U.S.-based team, 877-367-7524. That's 877-367-7524. Epstein posed several times as recruiting and even as a recruiter and even lured several girls to hotel rooms with a shot of making it in the coveted catalog. I mean, this is casting couch stuff here. I mean, we're getting into we're getting we're starting to see some of the true intentions emerge.
1: And what is this like the fourth time that somebody could have stepped in and and shut it down? Yeah. And another interesting like thing that I learned during the research was that when him and Hoffenberg were still kind of formulating their Ponzi scheme, they were going around to widows and retirees and basically saying, like, you have so much money that it's dangerous. Because once you get to a certain amount of wealth, you start to lose track of it. So if someone takes it from you, how are you to know? You have too much of it. So that's what we're going to help you with. We're going to help keep an eye on your assets. Basically, that's what he did with Les Wexner. Because Les had so much money, he was slowly taking chunks for himself
0: yeah, Les, you don't need that much money. Right. That's too much money, Les.
1: You don't need another Boeing 40,
0: 747. <laughs> we got it. Yeah. You know, you know, who needs that kind of stuff? And what's funny about this, this stuff's going on, like this is hitting its pinnacle here in in uh, 96. And Wexner, when he finds out what's going on, when he finds out about uh, his, Epstein's overstep, well, he, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut ties with him. But guess what? It wasn't until 2008 that Wexner decides to officially renounce his association with Epstein. This is 12 years later, after he was charged with molestation and soliciting prostitution and sexual activity with a minor. (laughs) These are all these opportunities to shut this down. This guy is a snake in the grass, and he's hiding in plain sight. Now, those of you who know that... uh, the king has to have his queen, right? Queen is obviously uh, the, while not the most important piece on the board, the most powerful. And his queen, Jeffrey Epstein's queen, is a woman by the name of Ghislaine Maxwell. So in the chess game, obviously, powerful piece. She can move any direction she wants to move. She can move as many squares as she desires. And her job is to protect the king at all costs. So, Jelaine Maxwell, she's this—who is she? She's this wealthy British socialite. She's got tons of money to burn. Oh, you want to talk about a target. Here she comes. She's the daughter of a British media tycoon, Robert Maxwell, a graduate from from Oxford. Uh, A lot of people question how she was able to even fall in love with and stand by a guy like Epstein. But she not only did it, she did it for years— all the way up until the end, probably probably because Jeffrey Epstein reminded her of her own father. Because Robert Maxwell, here's a guy who lived the life of a rich man with an infatuation for young women. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it, Candace?
1: It does. Yeah.
0: So he had established this public family with a wife and nine children. Ghislaine was the youngest. And Seemingly, um, seemingly, she might have even been the favorite. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but he's a pedophile. Robert Maxwell, her father, is a pedophile. He was in the habit of, uh, after lunch, sending for a girl who would come to his sitting room and the doors would be locked from the inside. It suggested to me and others um, that were close to RM that it was just a, I don't know, fantasy relationship with these young girls. And afterwards? I understood that presents were given to the girls, yes. What sort of presents? Jewelry. This a sort of thank you presents? Thank you presents, yes. And when I say that Ghislaine was probably his favorite child, he named his favorite yacht after her. He named it Lady Ghislaine. Now, uh, in 1990, he, he died on that boat or actually off that boat because he fell from an overlooked spot and he's stark naked into the waters of the Canary Islands. Maybe it was a heart attack. A lot of people still think it was a suicide or even a murder. But here's the thing. It's only after Robert's death, as is alluded to, that they realize that this guy not only is a pedophile, but he's a fraudster. He's bankrolled most of his life using the pensions of his employees. This is craziness, Candace. Like, you've heard me say over and over again on this show that when you say names like the Trumps or the Clintons and all this, you think those are the power players. Those aren't the power players. There are people out there that are are moving and shaking in this world that we have no idea how deep and dark it is. It's absolutely insane, this stuff. It's absolutely insane. So here's this other large fortune that's providing this very lush inheritance to all nine of Robert Maxwell's children, each one of them. Now, wouldn't you like to be a part of this? Each one of them receive a trust fund of $100,000 a year for the remainder of their lives. Now, Ghislaine, she could have taken that money. She could have lived a private, normal life. Instead, guess what she does? She moves to New York City. She decides she wants to build upon the wealth through real estate. And in 1991, Ghislaine lands in New York, and the rumor of a young, beautiful, rich British socialite in search of a beneficiary for her assets suddenly travels all the way through Manhattan into the ears of a man by the name of Jeffrey Epstein. They become friends. They become lovers. They become a couple. And after many years, apparently the romance fades. But... The two remain close friends, and they remain allies. They remain together for the rest of Epstein's life. She becomes basically an advisory figure to Jeff Epstein, which is later going to develop into helping keep a rotating list of girls for Epstein. Now, Ghislaine, she claims to be a licensed helicopter pilot, certified EMT, a deep-water submersible pilot. I mean, this girl, the list just rolls on all these things that she's claiming to be. So in 2013, she founds, she founded this thing called the Terra Mar Project, which is, here is another eye roll moment, an environmental charity dedicated to saving the oceans. According to those on the environmental charity circuit, the Terra Mar Project did nothing. (laughs) It was nothing more than a representative face. And it was dissolved in July 12th, 2019. Guess what that is? just six days after Jeffrey Epstein was arrested. Now, I hope that you who are watching this and listening to this that you're starting to see through some of the smoke and mirrors that are being put up here, some of the things that are just not even being talked about by the news media. We're not any ordinary news media, Candace, and I promise you, you hang in there with these details, these facts, and these names. Some of these points, and when we start to pull this drawstring together and pull it all into one nice little tight package, I promise you, you're going to go, holy (laughs) I never realized that was the case. But sit back and watch because Ghislaine, the queen to Jeffrey Epstein, doing all of this shady stuff in a quote-unquote advisory capacity to Jeffrey Epstein, she manages to work her way into many social circles, facilitating meetings with the rich and the mega-powerful you ever heard of names like Elon Musk or Bill Gates, maybe Prince Andrew? Those are just a few of the names found in Ghislaine's Rolodex. She was also a guest. Dare I say this out loud? Dare I reveal this? A guest at Chelsea Clinton's 2010 wedding to investment banker Mark Mezvinsky. This starts to get pretty deep. (laughs) <laughs> she goes on to vacation with chelsea clinton she participates in the clinton global initiative up until 2013
1: which is ironic because uh the clinton global initiative's main kind of point of existing is to help fight human trafficking
0: ain't that ain't that just swell
1: isn't it something ain't
0: that just swell and, and let's let's remind everybody that that here's a guy, Jeffrey Epstein, who is a registered sex offender at this time. Okay, we more to come on that. Now, Jelaine, where is Jelaine? Where is she today? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Jeffrey Epstein's dead. She's gone. Where is she? She is one of the people who not only facilitated the the the, the, the relationships that he built with the rich and powerful, but also helped facilitate the sexual relationships that Jeffrey Epstein had with children and she trained
1: these girls basically
0: she trained them she groomed them yeah she was in essence a madam for these children and by the way we don't call them women they're children 17 year olds 16 year olds they're children we're not going to sit here and call them uh we're not going to call it it's slavery is what it is it's human trafficking it's human trafficking is even a watered down uh sterile clinical word there I don't like that word it's child sex slavery. And she's acting a, as a madam. Where is she? She's not dead. She's disappeared. After that, you remember that whole in and out paparazzi photo went viral? You got Jelaine who's, she's gone. She's out of the spotlight. Uh, she could be back in England where she's got a dual citizen citizenship, but rumors are uh, also flying around that she is in Israel trying to find asylum. So, why hasn't the FBI extradited Jelaine Maxwell back to the U.S. to face charges of child sex trafficking and slavery? It's interesting. These are the things that we're going to answer. These are the questions we're going to get into in these next parts. Candace, yes. we've established the king. We've established the queen. We've established the bishops. So far, The bishops, the bishops are off the scene. Mm -hmm. The queen has been elusive, but she's still at large. The king, as we know, is physically dead, but his influence remains, which means there has been no checkmate. The game is still going on, and we're going to uncover this as we move further into the life and details of that king, Jeffrey Epstein.